Welcome to the Shy City Sports Podcast, alongside with my co-host, Michael Flores. You can follow him on Twitter, mpflores90, and myself, AJ Desai4. And we have a special guest with us, Yusef Koshal, covers the Bears with the Bear Report, Windy City with Fansided, and also with the co-host, the Picks for Pace Podcast. Follow him at Yusef Koshal. How you doing? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on here. How are you guys? Good, man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, like I said, guys, thanks so much for having me. Excited to get the uh, show going on what was probably the most active Tuesday I've ever seen in the NFL season. <laughs> yeah, man, we, we had we had a couple of weird moves. Uh, you know, uh, the Patriots and Dolphins doing a rare trade of Isaiah Ford, I think it was. Um, and aside from that, we didn't really see anything from the Chicago Bears standpoint, right, you said? Yeah, nothing at all. And it was intriguing because the Bears, if this team believes that it's a championship team, you know, this team, it can go ahead and it can add essentially a right guard or just that one piece to kind of put this team over the hump. But here's the reality. The Bears were never in a serious position to really even make any sort of trade because they had zero leverage in any of these deals because you're either overpaying for somebody like a guy like Andrew Norwell, a vet who's going to be 30 something pretty soon. If you give up a third round pick form, you're getting what two and a half years out of him. But then what happens is the bears had zero leverage, right? Because you give up anything significant, you're basically getting robbed. All right. Um, looking at it, the team basically had like in terms of finances, right? In terms of draft capital, they just were not in a position to strike an even deal that would have benefited the bears in any way. Because, yeah, because you look at the salary cap and what's uh, what the financial situation for the Bears is, they kind of want to put that money over to next year to roll it over to kind of make that bill um, less. So, like, we don't even really know what the salary cap issue is. It could really stay at 176 or um, I'm expecting it to be around, like, 195, 196. I mean, we really want to see the league make some money in this down year. But then again, you said you're right. I mean, I, I, the Bears – there was not that much wiggle room here i don't think because like with with that being said like i don't think any team is going to like accept if a day 3 pick for their player i don't think like that's what they want to be valued at as a day 3 pick they want to be valued as like a first second and third round pick um even a fourth round pick um, or something like that right and you know adding on i mean listen what day 3 pick like a is going to net, you know, a significant return that is going to get this team over the hump. We have it, to ask ourselves that too. Right. There's nobody I can think of. I mean, I heard some names floating around like James Carpenter, Andrew Normal, veteran offensive guards, mm-hmm. but none of those guys were going to be had for like anything less than a day two pick. And then kind of just adding on to it, it's like you trade for these guys. Now you're kind of getting messy in the financial side mm-hmm. of things as well. And the Bears are not going to be a team that's going to be swimming in cap space next offseason. No, money's going to be tight. They're going to have to get oh, yeah. creative to keep some of these guys. And there are certain p- players on this team right now, like Aleno or Massey, that the Bears are either just going to have to cut on cut entirely right. or go ahead and restructure it and at least save some room. And then, you know, looking at it, people are like, oh, well, what about the compensatory picks? It's like, okay, look, so yeah. we know the Bears are going to have some comp picks next year, but we don't know where those comp picks are going to be. We don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know who's going to be on the draft board. We don't even have an idea of who's declaring for the draft outside of some of the big names like Parsons and Sewell and Rondell Moore that have already declared. We don't know what day three of the draft is going to look like. So to be like, yeah, you can trade away a fifth or sixth or a seventh rounder that you know you have 
but then you'll have comp picks. Like it just doesn't make sense because over the next two off seasons, 2021 and 2022, the bears are going to need their draft picks more than ever because they're going to need an infusion of young talent on both sides of the ball. Yeah. You can't afford to trade away draft capital or give up things um, for some things like say, for example, if you even traded like your third round pick for like, say a guy like Brandon Schreff, you know, what if he tests free agency with a different team, right? Your third round pick is out the window and, um, like that's the thing. Like, I don't think that like if if the Bears even made that move, like I would have been stoked if we had Brendan Schreff for like another seven or eight games, right? But this is just a hypothetical. Like, if it happened, I don't even think that Brendan Schreff would sign back with us because he could test the market and go to a contending team. Because you know the Bears like contending. Like guys, like I don't I don't even know if they're contending anymore. What do you guys think, Michael? Let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, I think I still think we can contend. I think we can uh, at least make the playoffs. But honestly, how far are we going to make it? Not very far. Um, there's no way we're going to compete with any of the teams that actually do make it. So we make it. We're either going to get eliminated in the first round. Lucky if we hit two, but. Yeah, we'll be we'll be bumped easy. And I saw something on on Twitter earlier that said, "Hey, should we just start tanking now?" And oh my god! Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. First of all, it's way too late to try to tank. Yeah. Second of all, never try to tank. I don't want um, to try to but, tank right now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So can we can we make it to the playoffs? Yes. Will we? Probably not. Yeah, that's the thing. I think we're just going to be on the edge. You said. What do you think, Ben? Like this, this, this whole thing, like you, you talk about the picks and what the picks that we have for the next year, we can't afford to trade those. And we're falling into a, a rhythm in which we need those picks to actually continue this playoff run. What do you think, man? Do we have any room to contend? The Bears, yes and no. And here's why. Because what could happen is, you know, a magic switch could turn on and the oh, team sure. could certainly figure it out and all of a sudden Nick Foles could get hot like Eli Manning got hot in those last two Super Bowl runs that he had or Nick Foles could find 2017 Nick Foles could appear so that's certainly a possibility but the reality of the situation is that the reason I don't foresee it happening is because we've known for a while what the Bears problems are like you look at this team so they've been so atrocious and I'll use third down as an example the Bears have been so bad on third down this year outside of the week Outside of the week two game against the Giants, right, where the Bears were four for four on third down on the first drive, and then it went and resulted in a touchdown, they just, third down's been a complete mess. And it's not just the third and eights, the third and nines that kill this team. It's also the third and ones, the third and twos. I mean, this past weekend against the Saints, they were five for 15 on third down. And when you can't convert on third down, you can't do things like that in this league, you're not going to go very far. The offense looked way better in the first half against the Sunday was a tale of two halves against the Saints because the offense looks so good in the first half. You're like, where is this offense? This is the offense we expected to see with Nick Foles, not Mitch Trubisky leading the way. And then second half just completely spotted. And the thing is, is we need to see more of the first half bears throughout the entire season. The first half team that showed up in week eight, we don't because what what happens is we end up seeing the second half team that we saw in week eight way too much. And that's a reason this team's not going to contend. And then as far as tanking goes, listen, no one's tanking in this league because the situation yeah. is this is you ask your you ask your vets, hey, to tank, right? What these mm-hmm. guys are basically gonna tell you is, okay, hold on. So you want me to tank? <laughs> I'm 
I'm not going to be here in a couple of years. You're not the one paying my bills. You're not going to be the one that's feeding my kids. You're not going to be the one that's, you know, paying my expenses, et cetera, that type of stuff. So players in this league are not going to tank. And then also adding on to it, Chicago's the one of the best sports towns in the USA. It mm-hmm. does not matter if we know your team's going to win one game or a hundred games, whatever the case may be. The expectation, the fans always want championships. If you come out and you basically throw the season away, like that's extremely disrespectful to the fan base and just not something that anyone would stand for. I mean, people, the Bears, there are times in the past where the Bears don't even tank and then they're winning like three or four games and people mm-hmm. already stop watching. So imagine what they're going to do if you just start tanking altogether. They're just going to stop watching altogether. And and that's one thing because, like, uh, as a Bears fan, as a season ticket holder, man, I don't want to see this t- team tank. And, you know, like, if, if you're going to call the 2017 or 2016 teams tanking, that's not really tanking because the team really gave it their all those years. Like, 2015, 2016, 2017, if you're going to call those years tanking, then uh, that's – that then that's just not really accurate because like you know you when you win 13 games and you beat some good teams in there you know you really have something you get you have a foundation in your team and you know if the bears ever tanked guys i would cry like i would be like i'm lucky that i'm not a jets fan right now like that would be (laughs) so bad if i was a jets fan right now like like you're, you're talking about like one of the worst offensive lines and you have a quarterback there who's running for his life and like I'm thankful that the Bears and we're not in that situation. Well, technically we are, but like we're not like zero and seven. We're five and three. So, you know, like you said, talked about like um, the Bears team in the first half. You know, and why is it performing bad in the second half? Is it the offensive line that continues to struggle because we got more injuries? Um, Massey's going to be out for a month. On the bright side, Mustafir wasn't bad, but he's hurt. Um, Brad Biggs reported that about an hour ago and Coward continues to struggle. So, uh, you said, um, what do you think about this offensive line moving forward without four of their starters? Yeah, it's, it's, listen, it's already been a mess and now we're going to see if this coaching staff can really make the best with what they have. And so mm-hmm. that includes Juan Castillo and Matt Nagy. Cause if you remember last, the last two years, the bears have had your Notre Dame guy, AJ, Harry Hyde stand, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden he kind of gets let go. He's kind of the scapegoat. Nagy indirectly throws him under the bus. And then you go out and you hire Juan Castillo, a guy that was, you were kind of always familiar with. And so now we have to see what's really kind of be going to become of this offensive line. And this O-line with some of the starters, right? It's had strong showings the first half of the season. Yeah. All right. But it's really over the last like five, six, seven, it the last like five, six games. I want to say it's just been a complete mess because one, they played a bit, bit better defenses. And then two, there's just so much inconsistencies. I mean, white is the most consistent guy. And now all of a sudden we don't know if he's going to play this Saturday James Daniels was just really growing this year, and I thought it was going to take that third-year step that you expect a lot of people to make, but uh, that never happened. And, you know, he's much better suited to just play left guard, even though he does have the traditional build of a center. Uh, we all know the mess that Leno is, and then you look at some of these backups, like, okay, so Coward, complete mess. Massey, like you said, is going to be out for a month. Now we're going to see if the depth that Ryan Pace invested in this roster in the offseason with guys like Arlington Hambright. Now we're going to see that tested as well. And if anything, some of these injuries are good because you know what? If some of these guys were not down and hurt, we would see the same five starting offensive linemen each week and it would be the same mess each week. Now you realize, okay, so you have Sam Mustafer at center. Maybe you experiment with Cody White here at guard. Maybe, yeah, you do have Ifedi at... um, 
continue to have Ifedi at right guard, but then something like Alex Bars, who I know took reps at right guard in training camp because I was there firsthand over camp and saw myself. Mm-hmm. So maybe a guy like Alex Bars takes some reps at right tackle. Then you're in a situation where, okay, you know what? Depending on how Bars looks, then, yeah, if he looks good, maybe he is your right tackle of the future. It just all depends. The Bears over the last couple of years have not gotten these younger guys reps, especially on O-line. Now's the time to do so. Because the only time that we've seen these younger guys take the field is when the vets get hurt. You know, historically, the Bears, they really suck at playing their rookies. I hope that we get to see Riley Ridley this weekend in in place of Javon Wimsey's next two weeks. Um, and if that, and just like you said, said, and if we can, you know, shuffle this offensive line with Latavius Simmons, Arlington Hambright, Alex Bars, uh, Leno, I mean, he's a mess, but, and if Coward can't, if they can all come, if they can all come together, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, like, is it going to be good or is it going to be bad? What do you think, Michael? Yeah, you know, um, this past week, I thought Sam Mustafer looked looked decent, you know, he wasn't the greatest out there, but I think he did well enough. And it sucks that we're, we might not see him already this week um, yeah. because there's a lot of guys that are that are look that look terrible. I mean, Coward is trash. Um, no guard has given up more pressure over the last three weeks than him. He has been the worst guard in the league. And already on a line that sucks, you can't be the worst in the league. And when they do show up, which there was some some drives um, this past week where they look pretty good. Um, according to PFF, Nick Foles was given a clean pocket this week. He, whenever he was given a clean pocket this week, he went 20 for 28 with 400, with 187 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Good enough for a 90.3 overall grade, which is fantastic. Obviously, if he gets the protection that he needs, he looks fine. He looks like the Nick Foles that we need. But, of course, the O-line is struggling. And I'm glad you said mentioned that You know, now we're going to see guys – actually get to play, which is something that I mentioned in a group chat earlier um, that this may be a blessing in disguise for the Bears. We might actually be able to see guys get their reps in and then see what they can do. If they can't, if, if they can't perform, then at least we know, at least there's not always that. What if on the sideline, figure it out and then move on from there. And, like, you know, I love that both of you and your thoughts are aligned about, you know, shuffling the offensive line. And I'm right with their, I'm right there with you because, you know, I feel bad for, like, you know, our stars on offense. You know, David Montgomery, he's a stud. You know, he had 21 carries and 89 yards last week. And if and if we can keep that up I and mean, if we can try to get him and create those holes in the offensive line, you know, then it may, it, it may not seem as bad as it really is. You know, we're just having our backups play. And if they can actually perform – um, somewhat half to what the starters were performing since week one, or well, not since week one, from from one of the games in week one and two, then we could really have something here. Then we can actually turn it around here, and Nick Foles can get a little bit more time in the pocket and complete those throws that we were talked about last week, Michael, on the podcast. You know, that drag route to Anthony Miller. Um, there, there was a streak route to Allen Robinson that was missed, and if Nick Foles had a half a second extra time, that's a touchdown. Um and, you know, talking about David Montgomery, will we see him get 20, 20 carries this week again? Like, I, I don't believe in the consistency of Matt Nagy anymore. Yeah, I really hope we do because, like you said, he had 21 carries, good enough for 89 yards. And the biggest thing there was that 84 yards came after contact. 
There's eight missed tackles on him. We always complain that he doesn't get enough chances to run. Going into going or through week seven, he was leading the league in broken tackles with 18. And I know for a fact he had at least six more this week. He probably had even more than that. So he's already up to over 20, 20 broken tackles. And most of his yards are coming after contact. He obviously can get the job done. They just need to let him have the chance to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And and you said, like, what do you think, man? Do, do, do you think that Dan Montgomery sees that 20-plus carry workload this weekend against the Titans? Or does Nagy completely abandon it? Yeah, he needs to see the 20-plus workload, and here's why. Because you need the thing with the Titans is this, is they're an explosive offense, and they score points in bunches, and they have a really solid group of playmakers. I mean, listen, Derrick Henry gets all the attention. Ryan Tannehill has pretty much been balling this year. They have A.J. Brown. They have Corey Davis. They have Anthony Frisker and Jonu Smith as their tight ends. They have a really solid group. The thing is, is you need to run the ball to kind of keep your defense fresh and keep those guys off the field because the Titans, like the Saints, are a really well-coached team. And they're also another team that is going to take advantage of your mistakes. And like we saw, I think David Montgomery had, what was it, like a 38-yard run against the Saints in the second quarter. Those are the types of big plays that we've been waiting for all offseason. And as soon as that, I, as that run happened, I was like, hey, maybe this team does have the or is beginning to figure the running game out, which is so critical because you're going to need it now in November and December. But the point is, is you need to feed Montgomery. Now, in terms of are the Bears really getting like their investment on Montgomery? I mean, you have to keep in mind is they traded, they need to feed him the ball because you traded 14 spots, mm-hmm. 14 spots up the board in the 2019 draft from 87 to 73 to draft Montgomery. So you are not getting your full return on investment on him because 50% of his, you just don't feed him the ball. 50% of his, your offensive line is complete garbage. When the Bears fed Montgomery last year, the ball last year, I think they ended up winning like six of their eight games, right? So the thing is, Chicago needs to continue to feed him because good things happen when you feed him. And let's be real, like Nick Foles is not going to be a Superman and win you the game. You're just asking him to not lose you the game, basically. You're asking him to just be a product of the talent around him, which includes Montgomery. And then the entire offense is going to excel. And speaking of Nick Foles, you know, um, like, like he's the game manager of this team, right? And, like, we have the playmakers surrounding him to actually, you know, win these games. But speaking of players on our team, Javon Wims, what was he thinking on that on that drive? Like, did he really plot, like, on the bench 11 minutes that I'm going to get back at Chauncey Gardner-Johnson just by smacking him on the helmet, which doesn't really do anything? You said, what do you think about Javon Wims's uh, actions? So, yeah, it goes both ways because, like, I tweeted this and I was like, listen, on one hand, you have a guy who's sticking up for his teammate because they're, I think, you know, Gardner Johnson, Anthony Miller, they got into it. They before. got into it. Wims yeah. basically went after. Right. So they got into it before Wims went ahead and got into it with Gardner Johnson. Mm-hmm. So 50% of me is like, look, you know, give the guy a thumbs up for basically going ahead and sticking up for his own teammate. Because, like, I'm sure we've all played sports. I yeah. mean, my teammates would do the same thing. I would do the same for my teammates, right? If someone of the opposing team kind of came after them. But the re- and then the other 50% of it is like, yeah, what the hell were you thinking? I really think what it was, it was just an in the moment reaction, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, if that if the same thing, like, if 
another player from another team were to spit on one of us when we were playing sports, you in the moment would be pretty pissed off. Like you would be like, yo, what the hell are you doing? You would not just sit there and then take it. So really like his in the moment reaction, that kind of like, you know, action was, um, you know, just completely justified. Michael, what do you think, man? Yeah. So for me, there's, there's a few factors that play here for me. Um, now I totally agree. You know, if someone's going up to your guy and you're going to stick up for him, cool. I get it. Um, there's a way to do it for sure. And waiting 11 minutes, granted it wasn't, it was because he was off the field. Waiting 11 minutes is a long time. You know, if, if it's only a mouthpiece and a face poke on Miller, you kind of have to hold on to your emotions. I get the whole, you're going to go after him, but after 11 minutes have passed, that's, that's a long time. And if he did spit on him, um, I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he he did. But if he did spit on whims, then yeah. I mean, that takes it to a whole new level. At that point, that's just some some punk crap right there. Hit him twice, hit him three times, take your suspension then because that's a whole nother level of disrespect to me. Like I, I guess like uh, both of you are right in some in some of your ways because, you know, like definitely I played football in high school and if somebody, you know, spit in my eye or my helmet or my face mask, I would definitely, you know, take the action of like, you know, sticking that player right there on the field because, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, disrespected right there in front of my team. Like it's from a personal standpoint and it's from a teammate standpoint because like, you know, if that same player is going to be, you know, getting the head of my other teammates, then yeah, of course, I'm going to get involved in this. I, I can definitely see your points in that. Um, but like, you know, the suspension of two games, um, you know, I just feel like, you know, that as soon as he took the mouthpiece out of his mouth, why not just level him right there? Take the 15 yards and maybe it's one game instead of two, you know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe... Maybe I guess like he is going to appeal. I did see that he was going to appeal his suspension to see if he can get it down to one game. I don't think we've heard anything about that. Um, but you said he was going to appeal his suspension, right? Yeah, so he's expected to appeal his suspension. I honestly, after the sequence of events that went down, I really think he's going to lose this appeal and then he's going to be suspended for the full two games i mean at best if he wins the appeal he's only missing one week which would then be this following game against tennessee but you know like you mentioned you said uh moving into a different topic that this bears team does not come off um strong in the second half like why what do you think that could be the cause of is it just lack of like you know play calling or is it they're not ready to you know take the take the um, take the full load plate or is it just that they're not just coming prepared really so some of it is blamed on play calling right because like we saw again this past sunday i mean Nagy's calling certain plays in the first half that are working and then continuing to work now i'm not saying you can call the same plays every single half because opponents are eventually going to catch on them or the same plays every drive. You have to mix it up, right? Some of it's the play calling, but bottom line is this, listen, it just boils down to consistency and execution. The Bears don't execute particularly well sometimes when they do have a lead. This is a team that needs to, unfortunately, scratch and claw its way to every single win. So its consistency is the issue, right? Execution is also the issue. It will, and when I mentioned the consistency is like, listen, they have a 10-point lead. They don't play consistently well enough to hold on to that 10-point lead. And this is something that's just been a 
you know, big red flag throughout the Matt Nagy era because, like, this defense, people have to keep in mind is, yeah, Chuck Pagano, he's in his second year now, kind of coordinating the defense, but this defense was built by guys like Jay Rogers and Vic Fangio and John Fox. Those are the ones, this is still, you could argue, Fangio and Fox's defense that pace kind of had a say. And so Nagy inherited this, this elite defense, which a lot of first-year head coaches don't get to inherit, by the way. And then what happens is... You know, the defense just has consistently bailed the offense out, but it's just been on the offense to execute, and they have not been able to do that at all. And you said you mentioned, uh, and Michael, I'll get, I'll get to your thoughts before, um, after this. Um, the first four drives after coming out um, to the third quarter here uh, for the Bears, two punts, an interception. The interception was that um, Javon Wimson incident, and they turned, over, turned it over down, so fourth drive. And then... Obviously, the Saints got that touchdown, and then the Bears had to get a touchdown because they were down 10, so they got that touchdown on the fifth drive. Uh, Michael, um, I just I just mentioned the first four drives. Is that what you want to see from this Bears offense, or do you want to see the points? Obviously, I know the answer to this, but the points <laughs> are most important, correct? I mean, you got to come out strong, right? Second half? Yeah. Yeah, this is something we've talked about every episode now. Yep. Um, we again did not score in the third quarter. We have a total of seven points through through the season now in the third quarter, which is it absolutely sucks. ridiculous. That first drive um, coming out of the second half, you know, it started off looking good. I thought it was going to be a decent drive. You know, we had a couple Montgomery runs. I think a couple decent passes to I think Miller and um, Mooney that looked pretty good. And then what happens? You get a delay of game because. I believe that was the one where Foles wasn't paying attention and Leno tried yelling at him that the clock was ticking and then mm-hmm. delay of game. Um, then Foles ends up getting sacked. And once again, we just failed to score in the third quarter. And like you said, the next very next drive was, you know, the whims drive where, where he got ejected. And this is, this is becoming normalcy now that it's, we're not going to score in the third. And honestly, that's where, I think that's where the biggest struggles are for in during the game. I mean, obviously besides offensive line and all that, but the third quarter struggles is what's going to cost us most of our games. And obviously it cost us this one. We couldn't move the ball well enough and it's going to be a constant struggle. And that's, that's going to, if we make it to the playoffs, that's going to uh, cause a, a first round loss or a second round loss. And you have to come out strong and we just don't. Yeah, I I agree with both of you there because you know we just got to be able to, you know, oh my god, I don't even know how to say this. It's just you know two punts, interception, a turnover, a downs, and it, it's just like it's sick watching Bears football. Like I, I'm the biggest Bears fo- Bears fan out there. Like like I love this team so much. Like I bleed like Bears like Bears colors, blue and orange, and it's just oh my god, do something. Please come out to the second half with some sort of plan on offense. Like it just comes out that we're shooting ducks. Like we we uh, we run the ball twice. You know, we make a couple of pass plays, like you mentioned, Miller, Mooney, right? And, and then it just stalls because of that false start. And sometimes we have a holding, and, and there's not like that. It just comes down to coaching and discipline of the team. Like you know, we got to be able to move the ball when we come out and play football in the third quarter. And especially if we get the ball to start the second half, we got to score to put our defense in a better position to succeed. Because I don't think the offense has been doing that all year. Because 
I really think, like, I don't think the Bears have allowed, like, well, yeah, week one. But outside of that, they haven't allowed 30 points. Well, they haven't allowed 30 points in week one either. But still, like, that that defense is so good, and they're not even allowing 30 points. It's insane. Yeah, we definitely have to uh, step it up on the offensive side. You're absolutely right. And unfortunately, that's just, that's the same same thing we've been saying every year. It's year in, year out. The offense is not sticking up for the defense. And the defense is out there a lot. And that's why when it came to overtime, you know, Bears decided when they won the coin toss because, or they decided, oh yeah, they decided to uh, kick because the defense has been out there for so long. They needed some kind of break. Yeah, and like, you know, this um this whole Sands game just got me really depressed. So I'm just gonna move on to like next week. Because like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just like I just have a feeling that like, you know, this Bears team is just gonna do the same thing this weekend against the Tennessee Titans. Like uh, like it's just like either they come prepared or they just they just play flat football when they come out and play the first drive on offense. Like like when we look back to the Rams game, like they were moving the football. But then we got flat, you know, if Eddie with the holding, you know, and then we had to like punt the football two drives in a row. And then the Rams score points on those two drives that we don't score points. Our defense is gassed by the second quarter. It's like, wow, we can't have a sustained drive in football. Yet we have our defense who's out there 30 to 40 minutes a game when our offense is out there from 19 to 22 minutes a game. There's no balance in this team at all because the defense is playing 15 to 10 minutes more than the offense and going on to next season, not, not next season, next week against the Tennessee Titans. You said, how do we stop Derrick Henry, man? You're going to have to stop Derrick Henry by relying on your big guys up front and then your linebackers as well. Right? So that means that I expect to see a lot of Akeem Hicks. Hopefully Roy Robertson Harris is healthy because he left the Saints game with, I think it was a knee injury or a shoulder injury, but you're going to need Akeem Hicks. You're going to need Roy Robertson Harris. You are going to need Mario Edwards Jr. And then Bilal Nichols as well. And those are really your key four guys to stopping Derrick Henry, because if those guys can get into the, backfield and blow plays up it's going to be a very long day for derrick henry even if they can just limit him because once we've seen once derrick henry gets to the edge he's just very tough to bring down um the titans are going to continue to feed him the ball because they know that at some point you know if the bears offense comes out and sputters they're just going to continue to feed derrick henry because they can continue to rely on him to just gas the bears defense out yeah what do you think michael yeah, it's going to be uh it's not impossible to go ahead and stop Derrick Henry, but it is going to be difficult. Um I really don't think you stop him. I think you just hope to contain him. Yeah. And you know, he's coming off of a 112-yard rushing game. Um you know, he's leading the league in rushing yards. This he is a monster. He's he's huge. I mean, there's no really no other way to put it. This guy's just big and he will run you over. So we have to complete our tackles. Um, it was there was another issue again in the Saints game where, you know, we'd hit the guy and he just doesn't go down, and it's mostly because they weren't actually trying to tackle him, but just trying to push stop someone yeah. from, yeah, basically either push him out of bounds or grab onto a leg and hope somebody cleans him up. We need to actually try to hit him, and it's going to uh, he's going to he's gonna he's gonna run on us so. Like you said, said is they're going to keep feeding him the ball. 
So yeah, Hicks is gonna Hicks is gonna be a, another big piece for us this week. Absolutely, because uh, personally, I just think that you know Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in this uh, league, and you know it's gonna be very hard to stop him. But like like Michael said, if we can continue to like you know ninety to one hundred and ten yards and try to contain him, um, you know I think that's where the Bears have a chance here. You know if we can stop Derrick Henry from the get go and actually force Ryan Tannehill to pass the football. Our pass rush can get home if we can because, um, you know, I'm expecting a couple of sacks. You know, I think we can get to Ryan Tano. I think we can get home. We're just going to have to, you know, believe in Chuck Pagano to call those blitz and um, pass rushes to actually get home Ryan Tano. But, um, you know, can the offense sustain the drives um, with these depleted offensive lines, um, Michael? Like, you know, David Montgomery is going to be running the football behind four backups. Like, what do you think? I am not as worried as I thought I would be after thinking about it for a little while. You know, Montgomery showed us last week he can still make plays with a terrible O-line. There was, there was a couple of them that, you know, he should have been knocked behind the line and made forward progress. I think there was one where, you know, there was, they failed to hit their blocks and he still got nine yards off of it. It was somewhere right around nine yards. And... I'm just going to take a line out of your book. You always say, take what the defense gives you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to have to do here again. If the defense is going to give you a little bit of space, take it. Um, This might be the time now where we'll use those little curl routes that Nagy likes to throw. And if that's what the defense is going to give you, then take it. Um, And I'm not sure if Whitehair is playing or not. I'm not sure if anything's come out yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if to see if they try to throw him out there, whether he's fully healthy or not, just because of the depleted O-line right now. You said, what do you think does White here play? And what do you think about Montgomery running behind four backups? So first things first regarding White here, I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, he is going to play. Just because like people have to keep in mind, I mean, the one thing about this Bears locker room is these guys love the game so much. They love the fan base. They love the teams, right? They love the team. And that's really kind of a credit to what Ryan Pace has built over the last five or six years during his time here in Chicago is guys who love the game of football first and foremost, and then are willing to embrace the city, embrace the fans. So Cody White here does not want to miss games unless he absolutely has to. I really think that he's going to be itching to get back out there, especially with backup center Sam Mustafer hurt. Okay, regarding kind of David Montgomery, I mean, I don't have like, it's it's tough for me to even see him having any sort of big game this weekend. When your offensive line, first off, he's already struggling behind our regular starting five, right? So like what makes us all think like what makes anyone think that behind these backups and whatnot with like 60 or 75 percent of your regular starters out basically out like what makes people think that Montgomery's slowly just gonna like you know turn the switch on and then have the one big breakthrough performance that we're all worrying about like it's just not gonna happen mm-hmm. yeah I agree like because like I, I don't think we're gonna you know see that big break of a performance like you know 162 touchdowns 20 carries something like that it's gonna be like you know 25 carries 86 yards or something like that you know Nagy's gonna feed him hopefully he feeds him because you know that's the key to opening up opening up the passing game so there's a couple of key matchups to look forward to you know um I want to ask you guys about this um you know the Titans defensive line against the Bears offensive line you know they got some playmakers on that 
that side of the ball. They got Jeffrey Simmons, who I'm a big fan of. I really think that they're going to get home to Nick Foles a couple of times in this game. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, you said you can go first, man. Yeah, so I do think that they're going to get home to Nick Foles because what, what tends to happen is this. Right? So that Titans defensive line, I mean, the one guy that's been slightly disappointing this year is Jadavian Clowney because they're paying him like 15 to $17 million. He's basically a one-year rental. And the reason that they made that signing is because they believe he was the piece that could get them over the hump and get them into the Super Bowl. Now, Clowney has zero sacks, but what he does do is... It's like what Leonard Floyd has done for did in the past for the Bears is basically nearly get to the quarterback, but then also create opportunities for the guys around him. I mean, this Tennessee front seven, right? Besides Clowney, they have Rashawn Evans. They have Harold Landry, mm-hmm. who was one of my favorite guys coming out of the draft in 2018 um, from Boston College. Harold Landry. It's like, AJ, you mentioned Jeff Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. So they have, and then countless others too, right? I really like the linebacking corps that they have. So that front seven's just so solid. And when they get their opportunities, they are going to consistently get after Nick Foles. Yeah, because uh, I really think that like this offensive line, with Cody Cody White here or not, I think they're going to get home. I mean, like you mentioned, Harold Landry, he can get around um, Leno pretty easily. So, uh, Michael, um, do you think the Titans get home? Because they haven't allowed a sack in the last two weeks. Yeah, they're going to make up for it this week, yeah. man. Um, they're hungry. They, they're going to want to get in on Foles because, obviously, they've, we've proven that if he doesn't have much time to to look around the field before he throws the ball, it doesn't look good for us. And they're going to rush in. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if there's quite a bit of plays where, you know, they're going to they're gonna send everybody in. And at that point, Foles is just going to collapse and get hit. And, unfortunately, that's... That's just what we're going to see I, I, at least a handful of times this week. Yeah, at least a handful of times, not all the time. You know, there's we got to be, you know, realistic to the opponent, too. Like, the Tennessee Titans are a really good team. Like, they had a, um, you know, disappointing game against the Cincinnati Bengals, but we already know Nick Foles is no Joe Burrow. Um, uh, he kept Joe Burrow kept on driving down the Tennessee Titans, but I don't think the Bears have that offensive firepower to keep doing that to the Tennessee Titans. I think the Tennessee Titans will be able to get a couple of stops against our offense, especially if they can, you know, bull rush um, uh, Charles Leno and try to draw a hold. I mean, our fire offense alone does not have the firepower to to get 20 yards if we were to hold someone and we're starting at four, first and 20. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup. So a couple more I have here is the Titans wide receivers against the Bears secondary. Now, you know, John Smith and A.J. Brown are two really, really good targets that Ryan Tannehill has. And we have four, Sean Gitson, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, and Kyle Fuller. So what are you guys looking forward to that? So I'll start with Michael on this one. Yeah, um, you mentioned A.J. Brown. Between A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, we're really going to have to watch them. They're both leading their team. In receiving yards, um, I think they're both over 300. You know, they have about eight touchdowns combined. Um, Davis is coming off a huge game last week, I believe. It was like almost 130 yards. And Brown has had a touchdown every game the past four weeks. So they're going to go to them a lot. Um, and if they don't, it's just going to be on. It's just going to be for big plays, regardless. So they, um, Fuller and Johnson are going to have their um, their hands full, but. I am huge Johnson Fuller fans, so I'm I like I like our chances against them. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think our secondary can actually, you know, they can um they they can they can go up against this uh 
uh, wide receiver threat. So, Yusuf, what do you think? What do you expect from this um, wide receiver in a secondary battle? Yeah, I think in this one, I'm going to give the slight edge to the Bears cornerbacks because the thing is, is Kyle Fuller is so disrespected in the league. I mean, he's playing like a top five corner. And, you know, not getting enough respect and whatnot. He's playing at an all-pro all pro level, so I'm not too concerned about him locking up a guy like Corey Davis or A.J. Brown. Jalen Johnson, right? He's been the best rookie on the Bears so far this year. And so he's up for the challenge, right? So I don't think he's going to have, like, any major issues shutting down um, Corey Davis. And then when I look at, like, Gibson and Jackson, like, people, quarterbacks don't even throw Jackson's way anymore because they know that he's always going to be lurking near the ball at some point because he's just so rangy smart and instinctive and so complement that with to sean gibson and i really think that the bears d right with this secondary they're gonna test ryan Tannehill and they're gonna force ryan Tannehill to kind of you know throw the ball short and be like no we're gonna take away your deep passing game no, yeah, absolutely. I, I really think that our secondary is going to be able to, like, you know, take away that deep passing game from Ryan Tannehill because, you know, no one throws to Eddie Jackson, all right? So um, he's not even being targeted. He actually has to run to the play to make a play. So um, it's going to be – I, I actually think this is actually going to be a, a really, really interesting game between the Bears and the Titans. Um, you know, we talked about Derrick Henry um, stopping the run. Um you know, the only thing that's left to talk, to talk about before we get into our betting segment um, is the Titans OL against the Bears D. Do we get home this time? You said I'll start with you. Yes and no. And, you know, the thing is the Bears pass rush really tends to – the Bears pass rush to front seven. You know, the entire defense in general, but mainly the pass rush, they just seem to heat up as the game goes on. And Tennessee's got a pretty decent offensive line. Here's the reality of the situation, though, right, is it's like – all the attention is going to go to Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, which has become one of the best one-two pass rushing duos in the NFL. We're still waiting for $70 million guy Rob Quinn, who's been on a pitch count. Like, he needs to st- – if the Bears are going to make a difference in this game, right, legitimately defense, I think it's going to hinge on whether or not Rob Quinn can finally step up. And so, yeah, Mack and Hicks are going to do their thing. But, like, we have not seen Mack and Hicks in full effect yet because – Rob Quinn's been on the pitch count and, you know, he's been limited with the ankle injury and whatnot. So like, you have to ask yourself, you know, is this just like the bears D is going to get home a couple times in this game, but um, it would be so much more effective if Rob Quinn were finally playing at like 110%. No. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, it, it really matters because this passers between, you know, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, those, that trio really needs to, you know, be a force together in order to get home. And like, like you mentioned, yes and no, you know, you talked about Robert Quinn being on the field less than Khalil Mack. I think you're right. He needs to be more, he needs to be on that field more with Khalil Mack in order to get home. But Michael, you know, I'm going to switch to you. Uh, do you think that we get home? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I don't know if we're actually going to get any sacks. I do think we are going to be able to apply some good pressure this week. Um, you know, two terrible losses in a row. That's going to that's going to make them a little bit more hungry, and they're going to want to eat. They're going to try to make Tannehill make a mistake. He has what only three interceptions this year, and he's moving the ball well. He's averaging about 260 yards a game or so. You're going to have to try to get him on, get in on him quick. Don't give him time to try to make a play. And I, I think we'll get there. I just 
I'm not convinced that we're gonna we're actually gonna be able to hit him, but I'm hoping there's enough pressure on him where he's gonna make a couple mistakes. And I'm looking for another another Eddie Jackson uh, interception. Yeah, I, I really want Eddie Jackson to like you know get like really really target Eddie like really really follow. Um, and let me make this clear: really follow Ryan Tannehill on the field, like really ball hawk in this game, um, because I really want to see a play from him. Aside from that Rams game um, and his two picks being called back, I really want him to see him get an interception for a touchdown. Um, I just don't think it's going to be this game, but if the Bears can get to Ryan Tannehill and uh, get pressure on him, and the ball is in the air somewhere, and it's in the vicinity of Eddie Jackson, then I really think that like he's going to take that to the house. Um, I, I really hope that the Bears come prepared on Sunday. Um, but you said we appreciate you for having you on the CC Sports Pod, man. Um, thank you so much, man. Thanks for your time. You're really, really busy. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. And I know, AJ, you've got my number. So anything I can do to help you guys grow the pod or anytime you need me on again, let me know, guys, and I'd be happy to help. Sure. Absolutely. Oh. You said absolutely, man. Thanks, dude. Thanks for thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm going to get out of here. See you guys. Thanks. All right, guys. So we're going to move on to our betting segment. So, all right, Michael, what do you like for this week? All right. So I had a good... Uh, I had a good week eight, you know, both oh, my yeah. underdog and my locked hit. Let's talk about um, that, man. Come on. Don't be shy. Yeah. I, man, I was excited. Yeah, they both they both hit um, Falcons, you know, Thursday night game hit right away. Um, my lock for the Eagles, you know, that was a little closer than I thought, but they hit. Um, and I also, if you guys are following all of our social medias, which you should, Mm-hmm. Um, I also hit a, a pretty big parlay for the Bears, which we normally don't get into parlays here on the pod. But if you guys like to hear some of them, um, ones that we like, I'll be more than happy to share some out. But I did hit a one, two, three, four, five, six leg parlay. Um, Bears covering the five and a half spread. Darnell Mooney over 35 and a half receiving yards. Anthony Miller over 27 and a half receiving yards. Nick Foles over 230, 230 and a half passing yards. Drew Brees over 224 and a half passing yards and a Darnell Mooney touchdown. The odds on that was plus 5,361. And I hit it. Um, they don't happen all the time. They When they do, they they feel great. I did lose one yesterday. Um, on one leg because Fournette had 19 receiving yards and I had the over at 19 and a half. That's tough. And that one was a significant amount more money, but those things happen. Um, But if you guys are, if you guys want to hear more on our parlays or our side props, uh, let us know, let us know on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and We'll push more out there. But to keep consistent with what we're doing right now, I'm going to go with my lock first. Um, So my lock is Packers over 49ers. Um, Packers are the favorites. The odds right now are negative 255. And I feel like that's almost a no-brainer because you got Jimmy G, who's hurt again. And Mullins is going to be without Kittle. Um, Kittle's out, I think I heard, eight weeks. So I feel like how are the Packers not going to win? No, I agree with you. You know, that's a really good pick. You know, 
I mean, I think the Packers, they're favored by five and a half points. I'm actually going to go ahead and bet the spread here. Aaron Rodgers, this is this is the game that he bounces back. And, you know, they got stomped on against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to bet the spread here. So that's my lock as well, uh, Michael. And uh, my underdog is going to be, let's see here, um, give me the Lions over the Vikings. Plus four. Yeah, I uh, that was one of the ones I looked at as well. Um, this one took me a while. I wasn't sure who I wanted to go with my underdog. Um, there's quite a few I looked at. Um, but this time around, I am going against my last week's underdog. And I am choosing the Broncos over the Falcons. Broncos are the underdog. Odds are plus 172 on FanDuel. And I don't think... The Falcons win again this uh, week. Um, I think they got their taste of it. They're going to want it again, but they're going to find a way to to just fail. I don't trust them enough to get a win back-to-back weeks. So I'm going to go Broncos plus 172. Oh, nice. Nice pick. Uh, do you think uh, – who's 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 playing at quarterback? Is it Ripien or is it Locke? I don't know for sure. Um, either way, I think that they will have – a good chance of winning. Um, looking it up really quick, it looks like it looks like Lock Lock might will be playing. So I think that's that's even better for them. To be honest, I mean, you know, Lock has his uh has his struggles, but the Falcons just aren't who they are, who they used to be. And yeah, I liked them as my underdog last week, but I don't like them as a favorite this week. No, yeah, I I don't I would never pick the Falcons two weeks in a row. Um, obviously, the Broncos pick seems like a really good pick. Um, you know, I, I like that pick as well. You know, I think the Broncos, if they can, you know, get get some drives together, get some scoring drives together, they could beat the Falcons in Atlanta. I mean, that's a really good pick. Um, but yeah, folks, thank you for tuning into the Shy City Sports Podcast. And if there's any questions that you want us to answer about the betting that we do on this podcast, we're more than happy to answer any of your questions. We'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you. This is your host, AJ, alongside my host, Michael Flores. We will see you next week. See you guys later.